Hi, I'm Mary Lyons, The Wealth Woman. I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group. Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. So today we have a fun kind of conversation and one that's sort of been bubbling up for me for a couple of days, but uh, really uh, between Mary and I, I think we've been talking about it at length for a decade now. Years. But <laughs> this year's, right? But this idea of momentum or inertia or just it's the idea of just sort of we do the things that we do because we just have always done them uh, and how and how that plays in our lives both professionally, but also how it affects our money and, and how it affects our lives personally. And I, and I think that idea of it, the inertia over time, it, it's hard to get caught up. It's hard not to get caught up and, and just this is the way we've been doing things. Yeah, uh, I do it this way because it's comfortable, right? Maybe right. not easy, but I think comfortable is the, the right word for it. It's what you're used to, what you have a tolerance for. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing it sort of classic old story of, the girl that learns how to cook from her mom and uh, her mom always cuts the end of the ham off. And she's like, why do we cut the end of the ham off? And mom goes, I don't know. That's how your, that's how your grandmother did it. And, you know, they could never figure out why they did that. And then they go back to the grandmother and go, why, why did you always cut the end of the ham off? Is there something about the end of the ham? She goes, oh no, honey, we just didn't have a pan that was big enough to hold the whole ham. So we had to cut the ham off so that fit in the pan, but you kept cutting the end of the ham off just because that's what that's you were what used your, to. That's what your mom that's how did, you learned right? it. Right. right. I think there's so many parallels here. And, and I want to get to kind of what brought all this up as well. But I think there's so many parallels here to um, how people approach money, right? You, you approach money in a certain wow. way, either because that's how your parents did it, or you watch your parents make mistakes. And so you're, you could be choosing to make different mistakes, right? But it's all based on what you were exposed to when you were growing up. Right. Like sometimes we see when, when people have parents who are maybe very irresponsible with money, they go to either the extremes, they repeat that behavior or they reject it completely. And then they, you know, hold on to every penny they possibly have and don't enjoy any of it because they're terrified. Like if they start spending, they won't be able to stop and they'll turn into their parents. So it's right. You see it on both sides for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember my dad was a business owner and I remember him going through that process because I was uh, I was a kid whenever he started his business, and so I was, but I was old enough to to be paying attention, right? I wasn't two or three kind of at the time, but I remember watching him go through it, and he would just, okay, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna move this around here, and and move this dollar here to get this done, and then I'm gonna go borrow money here to go get this, and then I'll pay, and it, just kind of watching him sort of figure it out and and just kind of make it all work, and I and I always had the sense of like feels like we're kind of living on the edge, but then it always mm -hmm. just kind of works out, right? So maybe that's just how it's supposed to be done. How it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you don't question it. But then I've had the, to your point, I've seen other clients have come through and they're like, well, I always felt like we were right on the edge and it always worked out, but I hated that feeling of being on the edge. So I'm going to go save $150,000 in cash in my savings account because I never want to have you never want to have that edge, right? Yeah. It's almost either a replication or a reaction, right? It, it's, right. it's, it frequently, we see one or the other, and there's not a questioning of why am I behaving this way? Or why am I doing it this way? Is there a better way to do it? And, you know, I see this a lot when we're working with young people in particular is right. that they go through, they get an education and then they're like, well, I need to ask my parents. And I'm like, okay, well, your, your parents are affluent, but are they rich? 
Do they have complete freedom for how to spend their time? Do they, were they able to quit their job in their mid forties because they didn't like the job or are they just going right. to tell you the same things and make the same decisions that they're making? So you end up with the, the same life. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's all someone wants. So they don't necessarily care, right? Like, let's just keep with the status quo because the status quo again is broke. comfortable. Right. Well, and, and new things are frequently scary, I think. And, um, you know, when you, when you kind of enter into that unknown, that it's precisely what it is, it's unknown. So who knows if it's going to work out or not, right? It's right. almost like walking into a field full of landmines and you don't know where the landmines <laughs> are, right? That's scary. So maybe I should just do what I saw everyone else do. Right. Well, that object at rest tends to stay at rest or an object mm -hmm. in motion tends to stay in motion, right? So the laws of physics in that, I think it comes with money, relationships, how you deal with life in general. And, and I think that's, it's so powerful. There, there's a great book. There's a couple of really great books that keep running through my brain on this. There's a great book called Anchorman by a guy named Steve Farrar uh, for the guys in the room. I, I think this is a great book. And it's this idea that you are the product of the links in the chain that came before you. You, you are doing, you are following the script that your dad gave you, but mm -hmm. he may not know why he's doing what he's doing. And right. he's probably playing out the script that his dad gave him and so on and so forth. And then if you want to make that change, you've got to really be purposeful about it. You're not going to change your trajectory. You're not going to change away from that momentum. Passively. Right. It's you, just you've got to really make it happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, we see this all the time where, you know, you may not have had the happiest upbringing, right? And I'm not saying you, I'm just using the universal yeah, you. The royal and so, you. Right. And yet when you look at the parenting techniques, they default to what you were raised with, right? As opposed you don't know any to different. changing it. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, there's, there's, I think it's hard for people, anyone, including myself or you to be so self-aware that every decision you make becomes a conscious and intentional decision. Right. I don't have the energy it, for that. Right. No. Right. So a lot of it is just um, like unconscious decision-making, right? I mean, you see it in sports, you repeat the same behavior over and over again, deliberately in a practice session. And then you hope that when you get into an actual game, that the behavior shows up the way it's supposed to, because that's how you practice right. it so many times. And so it's, it's almost the same thing where we develop these sort of intense synapses in our brain of it's done this way, it's done this way. And so then we just do it that way and we don't question. So right. here's what I think would be really interesting, Eric. Um, some things have happened in terms of, I think, reading and life events and that sort of thing that got you thinking about this. Would you mind sharing some of the lead in? So yeah, there's a, sure. a context for some of this. Yeah, sure. So we, my wife and I are in the process of, uh, we just got some land in Oklahoma. We're working through the process of, uh, of actually putting a house on the land. And so we're working through the design phase and then we're going to go do a build, right? And, and it's VRBO and vacation rental by owner and, and Airbnb and that whole process. And how do we make money at that? And what's the revenue and, and what's the cost and, and how much money do we need to come up with for down payment and how much should we have on the side for safety and margin and all of these sort of new conversations that we've not had before. And, and I noticed 
we were driving home from Lubbock uh, yesterday, so over, this, over the weekend, uh, wherever yesterday is when you're listening to the podcast, but over the weekend, we were driving back and we we're listening to a book that's talking about how to go structure assets and how to go create cash flowing assets and how to build them in such a way. And I remember sort of getting excited about it and oh, we could do this and we could set up college funding through this way and we could set up our kids to go there. We could do charity work and work with the military to go help them. I mean, like my brain started expanding out. And then all of a sudden I had this moment where I was like, wait, is that what we do? Is that, <laughs> is this my path? Right. Is like, cause I was thinking back cause I just spent the weekend with my folks. I'm like, my parents don't never did this. Like they just worked at a job and they did this and they were, they were business owners to some extent, but it was still very, very, very linear. Uh, and they, they built the business and they sold the business. They used the cash to go get ready for retirement, but it was all just, we work and we work every day and we save and we build and we work and we grind and we save and we build. And I kept thinking, wait, am I, am I betraying that legacy? Am I somehow wandering off that path? And is that good or bad? And, but it, it was just like this hard abrupt, like, whoa, 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 wait, you're getting out ahead of yourself. Right. Right. And, and having that, it's that pull of momentum back to you, that, that sort of pull of gravity that goes, whoa, whoa, slow down, Tiger. You're getting a little too big for your britches. Right. It's sort of getting like, out oh. over your skis. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I think there, there's a saying it's, um, you know, poverty begets poverty and wealth begets wealth. And I think middle-class begets middle-class, right? right? For, for most people, they just repeat the cycle because they are comfortable in that space and right. they don't necessarily think bigger. And if you are going to, to move right into a new arena or design a life that is different, it takes, I think, an objective hard look about what you're doing that is helpful and what you're doing that is not helpful in all aspects right. of your life in order to make different decisions and move forward. And honestly, like I see that quite frequently, even in my own relationship and my own home life, even with regards to money, because I have certain ideas about how things should be done. And I have certain conversations all day long um, and certain education that allows me to view the world in a certain way. And then, you know, my, it's taken a long time for my spouse to kind of get comfortable with those ideas and come alongside me because the way we live right now is, you know, at least in the later years of my childhood, how we lived very, very affluent and very comfortable and, you know, not having to budget everything because there's extra money. And, right. and so that feels very comfortable to me, but then I'm like, okay, but if I'm not I believe that each generation should be better than the one that came before it. And sure. so my job is to grow beyond that and then to set the foundation for my children so they can grow beyond even where I am. And um, for my husband, because he grew up differently. I mean, they, they had plenty when he was growing up and, you know, they were right. comfortable, but the way we live now is so different from how he lived growing up that for him, he's sort of I think sometimes it's like he's hit the pinnacle. It's, it's more than what he dreamed of when he was a kid. And right. so the idea of dreaming of more, I think has been very uncomfortable for him, especially in like the earlier years of our marriage. Whereas now it seems that he's like, wait a minute, there's this whole world of possibilities and an excitement around that as opposed to right. a fear, but it's taken, I mean, I feel like it takes years to get to the point where you kind of break away from the paradigm that you're viewing the world from, and then you start to see it differently because 
paradigm shifts generally don't happen overnight unless there's something like hugely traumatic that happens. Right. Um, but, right. but I think it takes it, a lot of energy and force to go break through that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. absolutely correct. And then I think even when you do break through it from a logical perspective, it takes a long time before the emotional side starts to catch up because right. you can know something, but that's different than knowing something. Right. And that was really inarticulate the way I said that, but there's, <laughs> you know, there's knowledge there's, versus truth and whatever. Right. Yeah. There's owning it at some point where it's a default way of thinking, not a conscious way of thinking. It becomes the unconscious way of thinking. And I think those types of shifts take a lot of time. So right. what, um, so you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned, maybe I made that up listening to, um, a book, right. About right. cash flow and assets and that sort of stuff. And um, how do you how do you feel that has changed even the way you think about money? Because we're well, we're both advisors, right? And so I feel like every time we use a new piece of software or we go to right. new classes, there's an aha moment, and then there's a shift that occurs, right? It's an evolution. Yeah. And you say all the time, and I'm just going to steal it right from you. The I reserve the right to get smarter every year, right? And so tell me, tell me what's beginning to change for you about the way you're thinking about your own money. Yeah. Well, it was actually interesting because I, I flip-flopped right in the middle of about a 30-second conversation with my wife in the car. And okay. she's like, really? Like, you, you just said the exact opposite like 20 seconds ago. So I said, you know, I, I finally starting to understand. I, we, we work with a number of entrepreneurs and a number of the really good ones are like, look, I don't. I don't need a fancy car. I'm just going to use a car as an example. I need a Toyota Camry because I know that all the extra money that I could have spent on the Maserati that I'd really like, I could make X times more by deploying that into the business and making the business grow and having that cash flow and all this other stuff that I'm not willing to go uh, have the nice Maserati because I know what that other dollars could go do. And okay. once, as I'm starting to sort of grow through this process, I'm like, I get it now. Like it finally clicked. It's not about lifestyle. It's not about consumption. It's do we really need Netflix right now? Cause we can take that $10, put it in this account. We could go work. We could go buy another property. We could go to this other thing. Right. And so it's like, I'm starting to have that sort of shift of what do we need? We don't need anything. We don't want for anything at, right. at a functional level. Right. We're, we have food on the table and roof over our heads. Um, and she's like, okay, I, I got it. But then in the very next breath, I'm like, because I was having, we had a conversation last week with a client of ours and we we're talking about Porsches. Yes, I remember. And then in the very <laughs> next thought, I'm like, I really would like that Porsche. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, I thought you wanted a Camry. <laughs> but I think, but I think this is it, right? This is actually, uh, to me, the whole point of having the money in the first place is oh, that totally. if you can delay gratification just for a little bit, you can build the assets that will produce the cash flow that will then allow you to go and purchase that without destroying the cash flow producing asset. Right. And I think this is where people get stuck, right? I mean, the way we get marketed to on a daily basis, whether it's when we're scrolling through Facebook and there's suggestions for all these things that you need to buy, um, or you know, right. just just in general, what we see when we are consuming media is that we're taught that the way you know someone is wealthy is based on an outward display or show. Right. And then there are things that we want in our life, maybe not for the outward show, but because they make us happy. 
And I think knowing the difference between the two is incredibly important, but then figuring out how you can have the things that genuinely like excite you or, or make you happy in a way that doesn't derail the long-term success of a financial plan. And this is, this is why I think it's so important to keep going back to this idea of cash flow because most people, you know, make the income and then spend it. And yes, they may be putting money in their 401k and putting money away into investments, but those investments are just sitting there um, growing, right? They're getting capital appreciation over time. But again, to go back to a comment you made earlier, that's very linear and it's very finite because the only way that you grow that is to work harder and save more money. And at some point, if you're paying attention to assets that produce cash flow, regardless of what you're investing in, um, you end up in a situation where your money is creating income and that relieves the pressure on you. And right. that is the point in time where if you want the Porsche, go get the Porsche. Right. But then you get it without the guilt, which I think is half the yes. problem, right? Or, and, oh, you, and you've talked about it. Well, and you've talked about this house and it was Taos and now it's Santa Fe. And when I'm actually- Maybe, I don't know. Right. I'm still figuring it out. Maybe Bermuda somewhere, right? But it's, <laughs> it but you, you had this comment Malibu. that- yeah, that you have this comment of, I really want to go get the thing. I want to go get the house or the car or whatever. And I could go get it right now. I could go put the money down and go have that house, right? But what it creates on the other end is I get the show and I get the, the house with the family and everything else. But what it creates on the other end is a tremendous amount of stress. Pressure. To keep that going, the pressure to keep going, right? And uh, the, the, uh, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've actually got the toy on order. I'm going to make a video about it one of these days, but we used to play those to- with this toy when I was a kid. It had like, it looked like a little pipe and I had a little plastic ball at the end of the pipe and you'd blow into the pipe and you'd keep the ball floating in the air. And I kind of thought, you know, how, how apropos that this is training for the next 50 years of your life <laughs> in a so job, depressing. right? So like depressing. it's, it's so depressing, but that's it, right? You got to keep that air going. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep, and that's why you and I've had this sort of hustle grind culture we're just ate it oh, uh, and i'm like i'm done but that I'm, hustle I'm, and grind let me just clarify that real quick i am all for hard work i am all for hard work right. but you know all work and no play makes jack a dull boy isn't that the saying i hope i didn't butcher uh, that yeah, but yeah, i yeah. think i think at some point like what are you what are you trying to prove that's like when i get into that whole hustle and grind kind of culture i'm like for to what end like what are you doing <laughs> Because if you're, if there's a purpose or an impact or, you know, something that you're trying to accomplish, I'm all for the hard work. I am. Right. No doubt. But at some point, if you're burning the candle at both ends, like you run out of wick. And so there, there has to be recovery and enjoyment because I I just, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I, I look at that and I see, and there's so much stuff on the internet about that right now. And I'm a hard worker. Like, honestly, I would attribute most of my success to just outworking my peers, but it's not about working more. It's about being more. And so I can manage my time and figure out where to put my efforts in because at some point it's a diminishing return. If you're just burning yourself out all the time, like you lose functionality and the faster you go, the more you lose your peripheral vision. And so you can't be strategic if you're just constantly, you know, 
accelerating. I mean, I have this sort of like Thelma and Louise picture in my head every time people start talking about this hustle and grind stuff. Like, I'm Out just going to hit cliff. the gas pedal and keep accelerating right off of the cliff. It's, at some point, like, maybe stop the car and get out. <laughs> right. But I, but I think that's where, because you mentioned sort of the transformation for me personally was, I think that's it. I, I think that is, as, as we've had that conversation about what, what, what I've sort of termed that three-legged stool, the, I want the investments. I got to have the linear piece. The market is a good place. We need, but we need to have, in addition to those components, we need to have that cash flowing assets. It, it, it's what makes that monkey dance at a, at a faster level and a more secure level is that realization that, hey, man, at some point I may, be get, I may get to wake up when I want to wake up because I want to wake up. Not until Not your kids gotta... graduate from high school, though. Right. But maybe <laughs> I go send them to school and I go take another nap, right? But, but that idea that, that I do what I want because I want to go do it because it's the path that I want to go on. And it doesn't mean I'm laying around watching Oprah all day. But that freedom to go say, okay, what, where should I be going? It's not, it's not about the effort, it's about the work is my new favorite phrase, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's about what work am I doing that's using my talent to the highest level and I'm making the biggest impact on the world based on what I can go do, right? I'm never gonna be an underwater basket weaver, nuclear physicist, it's just not my mission in life. But there's other ways that I can go make an impact, but it's hard to go do that when you're at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, just trying to keep that little ball enough air. air pushing through the pipe to keep that little ball going right you don't have any any leftover energy to go to go do the work that's really impactful right and so, i and i remember last part of that i'll shut up sorry no, i remember no, having no. this conversation or this realization we were on the way back from lubbock and we stopped to get gas and food and pee break or whatever we needed to go do and there's a an older woman outside changing the the uh trash can in the at the gas station and another older lady in the 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 shop checking us out with, uh, you know, cake and punch and ice cream or whatever we're buying there. And I kept thinking, man, what if, what if we could have gotten to them 20 years ago and opened their brain, their minds up to life doesn't have to look like this. Mm -hmm. You could, you could do a little bit more or the knowledge or, or the vision, I think it's more important than the knowledge. If you've got the vision, the knowledge will come because mm -hmm. you'll seek it out. Right. But that like, let me expand what you think is possible and that, whenever that, that woman was a kid, is this, is this what she was really dreaming about? Like, is this the life she envisioned? And, and what if we had the ability to go back and sort of just say, hey, look, let's take you from left to just a little bit left of left, right? Or right to a little bit, like, let's just change take your trajectory just a little bit. And I think you, you're, the way your life turned out could have been so much different. Well, this, this goes back to a conversation I feel like I have on an almost daily basis, which is, you know, you think about when we're kids and it's all about dream, dream, dream. You know, people right. spend so much time telling their kids, the world is your oyster. You can do anything you put your mind to, you know, dream big, figure it, figure it out. Everything is a possibility. Don't let people step on your dreams. I mean, it, like even my daughter came home from like the first week of school this year and she had an entire chart on growth mindset and rewarding the effort and making progress and that making oh, mistakes awesome. means that you're on the right path. And I was so excited about that. But then what happens when we become adults is that people start saying, oh, you can't do that. Oh, that doesn't work that way. No, no, you shouldn't do that. Right. And and that could be that you're looking at a new way of doing investing and you talk to people that have never done it before and they're like, oh, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, because they've never done it and they don't, you know, and I would argue that's that not makes for them, you. 
that makes them not qualified to talk about it. Right. But, um, right. It's not for you or it doesn't work that way. Or I looked into it and it doesn't actually work. And how many times do we hear business owners who are told that's, that's not a viable idea. And then they go on to do something. I mean, I just read an article about some women that were trying to start a business and all of their advisor group said, no, you can't, you can't do this. You won't be able to raise the money. And they raised $370 million and now have a hugely profitable business. And the whole article was kind of a, well, we showed you kind of thing, right? Like we knew we could do it. We believed in it. And so we made it happen. But I think for most of us, when people tell us, oh, that doesn't work enough times is that we lose that ability to dream or to have that vision. And we start to settle And it's not that we're unhappy with the lives that we're living. It's that we've given up on the bigger dreams that we could have in favor of taking care of immediate needs. And so we're sacrificing long-term fulfillment for maybe ease or comfort or... um, Well, it's momentum. It's what everyone else around you is doing. And it's it's hard to go break free from that pack because you... You don't want to be judged. Well, we, we don't, don't want to be, be the judged. outsider. We want to be part of something. Well, and we also don't want to sort of like betray our upbringing or betray somehow. What do you? Oh, you, oh you think you're better than us? Yeah. Right. right. And so I, I think there's that natural. And I think it's probably biological from when we were cavemen, right? You, the the person that strayed from the pack got eaten by the dinosaur or something, right? I mean, that's, there's some, I there's going to be think something. People existed when the dinosaurs were on the planet, Eric. <laughs> I'm sure they did somehow, right? But yeah, but you got eaten by the woolly mammoth or whatever you got eaten by, the, yeah. the saber-toothed tiger or something, right? But yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the idea is that, I mean, I think part of that may be biological, like we want to be part of the group. Right. That just means you need to upgrade your group. Yeah. You're, the, right? you're the average of the five people you hang around with, right? So find the people who are doing it. And I think that's the beginning of it. And, and that honestly... That, that goes back to this idea of community. You have to look at your community and say, is this the community I want to be a part of, right? And, and I think that's right. hard because when you grow and you grow beyond your peer group, what you find is that you don't always fit the same way. And I find even, even within my own neighborhood that that happens in part right. because there are very few women in my neighborhood who own a business. And right. so when I start you know, if people ask me, how's your week? What's going on at work? And I start talking to them, you can see they, they can't relate to it. And so I shut down or when I'm talking about like, even at, at my daughter's softball game this weekend, um, somebody was asking a question because they had seen a post I did about the broken bow Oklahoma stuff. And I was like, yeah, we're building four properties and we're trying to acquire, you know, two to four more. And they were like all at once. And you could see them just kind of like, it, it was a different picture that was occurring and it was uncomfortable for me and I could see it was uncomfortable for them. Right. And so I think it's very difficult to combat things like that when you're trying to fit, right. But you're doing things that don't fit with the community that's around you. And and that's where, like, I, I think you have to find people who are doing the same thing. I mean, I remember just a couple of weekends ago, we went to swim at another friend's house Um, And she is a business owner and um, she is trying to build something. And she was having this whole conversation about what they were doing with the remodeling of their home and how they were capitalizing the project and then recapitalizing so that they could get money out of the house after it was worth more to go do other projects. And she was kind of stepping through it. And at some point she just kind of stopped mid sentence and she was like, this is so nice. 
this is the only time I've been able to just have this conversation because most of the time people just look at me like I have three heads. And, um, and she's like, right. it's so refreshing to be able to talk about this. And I was like, see, this is what you need is a community where these types of conversations are normalized so that you don't feel ashamed or like a weirdo or like you're making someone else feel bad. Because if you're looking right, at it's not bragging, she was actually trying to figure out a problem. Yeah. Well, and she right. wanted to talk about what she was doing too, because in, in, in some arena, like she was excited about what they're doing and she's proud of the work that she's done to get it there. And so when you, when you have something like that and someone's like, mm, and you can see like, it makes them feel like less because they aren't doing those things. It's easy to shut it down. What's well, a judge every, every, yeah. Uh, yeah, every rule is a judge, right. That says, are you here? Are you here? Right. Every, mm -hmm. every standard. Right. But that's, and they, I think they talk about that um, with people that are going through drug addiction and alcohol addictions. Like when you come out of rehab, you've got to go find a new set of friends. Because yeah. if you go straight out of where you were back into that group, you're going to go right back in because they're, they don't want you to, they don't want you to fly. Use a stupid term, right? But they don't, they don't <laughs> want you to leave the nest because then they've, it's a it's an a it's, it's a, a mirror that reflects that. right that says well maybe we're we're not doing our part right so it's easier to keep you down than to come back up right. um, and so you have to I think you have to make that hard choice to to say well I I need to start slowly sort of not upgrading my friend circle because that's not it and and we're not it doesn't mean you have to abandon your existing community it just means no. that you need to add some people to right. your exactly. community that have the same vision as you do. And I think some of that has to do with finding a mentor, right? I mean, there, there's a certain yeah. point, I look at this myself, there's a certain point where I look around and my net worth is at least as high, if not higher than pretty much the entirety of my peer group. And so now it's, okay, who else can I find that's further along that can mentor me in things that maybe I haven't been exposed to, because I would love to say that as an advisor, I have 100% of the answers 100% of the time, but right. we're, I mean, I'm human. I don't. Right. And the only way we reserve we, the right to get smarter. We exactly. And so I think that sort of, um, you know, focus on growth and getting better and finding people who are further along than you and having those conversations really puts you into a position where you can, make different decisions that will have an impact on your family, not just today, but if you do it right for generations to come. And I think a lot of times people don't realize how, how much potential they have. I had a conversation with a woman um, who I've known for a very long time, um, probably about a week ago. And when I was kind of walking through the demographics of where she was um, financially, she has an income probably about 300,000, maybe 250, somewhere in that range. Right. And that's a nice, healthy income. And there's a it's lot amazing, of people yeah. that, would, that, that would look at that and be like, oh my gosh, you're rich. And she was like, I, I feel like it's sort of day to day and, and anywhere from that, like a hundred to four or even 500,000, like the, the people in those spheres are in the top, what, 10% maybe even 5% of right. the country yeah, five, in terms right. of household income. And yet there's frequently like the, the wording that I hear all the time is I'm comfortable, but I'm not rich. And when you look right. at people who are making a lot less than that, they're going, wow, you're rich. But then for the people who get there, they don't feel that way because then they're looking at the next group up saying, well, they're the rich ones. And I think sometimes just even the context of 
okay, wait, if you're in the top five or 10% of all households in terms of income in the entire United States, which means in terms of the world, you're even higher up, right? You start to think about things differently because you have a different context. And then that opens up the possibility that, hey, wait a minute, maybe this could be more if I knew more, if I could be more efficient, um, if I just had somebody to show me what to do. Yeah, well, and people perish for lack of vision. And I think that's it, right? It's it's that idea of, of how do I go find, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah. Right? Because I, I want to be around a bunch of other people that are challenging me to get better. And it's not about, that's the thing I keep coming back to. It's not, it's never about greed. It's not that I want more or I've got to have, I've got to be at the top of the heap. Like I don't, I, I gave that up a long time ago. I just don't care. But there's other things I want to go do. And I got to have other people challenging me to get there. And I think that's part of that vision, but it's scary because it's a reflection that says you're not as where you're not where you could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it's a challenge. It's that idea we talked about this a long time ago about uh, the word for where we got our word for sin is a Greek word uh, called hamartia, which mm-hmm. means you've it's an archery term. You've missed the mark. Well, you can't miss a mark if there's no mark. If there's nothing right. to shoot for, if there's no standard, if there's no point of excellence, then there's nothing to miss. And I think that's where, as we get, as we progress, as all of us progress, we've got to keep changing that mark. Like, what am I shooting for? What what am I trying to become? And and where do I need to be as a human, financially, emotionally, relationally? Well, it evolves. It shouldn't be stagnant. No, right. And that's, we had that conversation earlier today, that this sort of checklist that we were working through over the weekend of what's important to you. And there was, there were some items, a hundred levels down on that list that my wife and I are like, yeah, that. You know, uh, being able to hang out with a bunch of celebrities and pick their brains, we're like, we don't care. Like that's, yeah. I don't, I could care, couldn't care less about what they think. Uh, but then I thought, well, maybe we would at some point once we have all the other stuff. Like if we're comfortable, we wake up when who we knows? want to. We, right? Who knows, right? But, but, but that I think ability to interact. Hierarchy. Right, it just exactly. it changes, right? I mean, like when you're a kid, you figure if I had as much money as my parents, I'd buy all the candy in the candy store. And then as an adult, you're like, well, I could buy all the candy, but I don't want to do that because it's going to make me sick, right? So those things just evolve. But I think that's why it's so important to keep having the conversation. And when you hit new levels to upgrade your dreams, right? Right. So that you aren't just settling because you're like, eh, I'm good where I am. And if you are good where you are, there's actually no shame in that, right? No, no, not at all. Hang there. But I think, you know, finding ways to make sure that you don't lose that or regress then become important. And I, I, I think if there's a key takeaway from all of this, it's surround yourself with people who challenge your assumptions um, and who encourage growth because there's, um, you know, with, this happened with a, a, a client of ours last week, right? We were talking to them and this is going to be the first year they make that their income is over a million dollars, right? right? And, and I was like, I mean, who are you celebrating with? And they were like, oh, we don't really talk about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the moment you cross that threshold, you need to call me and I'm going to take you guys to dinner and we're going to do it up and we're going to celebrate this because this is a huge deal. And, and watching their faces, it was almost like the first time they gave themselves permission to celebrate that. Or to be excited about it. Right. Right. Because it's something that, you know, if, if no one else in your neighborhood is doing that, it's not like you can be like, hey, I made a million dollars this year. And they're like, well, 
F you. So, right. <laughs> you know? or, or well, so good like, for you. I'm over right. here trying to figure out how to pay my mortgage this month. So I don't know, finding those people. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. Someone please stop me, right? I think it's important to find the people who will celebrate the successes and challenge you, right, to keep going and to do it again and to do it bigger even the next time. But but who will, I don't know, it's just hard sometimes to find those people who accept you for where you are, but then encourage you to be bigger and better. And I'm just going to say this as an aside because it just popped into my head, but Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, uh, one of my favorite things about you is that you simultaneously hold my hand and kick me in the butt. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I don't know. Is that a compliment? But I kind of felt like it was because there was an element of like acceptance and comfort and friendship along with the challenge of that you can be more, right? If you want to be, it's that idea that we all tend to look in the mirror, or at least I do. And what I see is a kitty cat and maybe what actually exists is a lion. Yeah, we're more powerful those, than we think, right? And having those people around you that see the lion and say, hey, you're not a house cat, like you're fierce, get after it, I think is right. is important, right? But if you want to be a, a kitty cat today, that's fine too, right? Well, Just don't and forget I, that you're and actually the lion. That, yeah, and something, that, and we can close with this, I think, but something that you've, you've talked about quite a bit is making sure that the scorecard that you're playing against is your scorecard, right? right? I, I don't no one want, else's. yeah, I, and I, there's certain things that I, Oh, good, good on you. And I'll use your husband, Mike, for a great example, right? We, we had this joke the other day. Her husband's a uh, uh, bodybuilder, not a body, uh, powerlifter. He's a powerlifter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get the technical part right. And I thought, you know, we had the joke the other day. It's like, man, I really would like to look like Mike. And then I thought, you know, I don't, because if I really wanted to look like Mike, I would, because I would do the stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's not that important to me. So it's that his being a powerlifter is not part of my scorecard. Um, right. That, that's not what fulfills me. I just want to not die early and be able to get out of bed without creeping. <laughs> you just want to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, I just want to be healthy. But I mean, but that's, everybody's got their own scorecard and it's okay to have a different one than everybody else. Well, I'm just going to tell you that his real motivator is, um, I think he likes being big, right? There's power in that, especially if sure. you're a man. But I think the real thing is he just wants to be able to eat as much queso as he feels like eating and not have it show up, <laughs> right? So right. he has these really intense workouts because- He's unwilling to change diet and he wants to be able to eat freely. Right. And and that's the thing. I think that's, that's almost like the whole point of all of this is figuring out what's important to you and what you want, and then finding the way to get it. Right. That's it. That's the whole conversation. That's life. Yeah. And I think looking beyond the status quo, looking beyond the linear path to get it and, and, and knowing that there could be a different way than the road the, this is what everyone is doing. So this is my path, uh, being a little bit more creative, uh, on the right side of the legal line, but creative. (laughs) I appreciate you throwing that in there. Yeah. I think the creativity is important, right? There's, there's more than one way to do something. Yeah. And just because it's not what everyone else around you is doing, it doesn't make it wrong. And that, I think that's, I really will stop with this, but I think that's the brilliance of the internet is that it's easy to find a community of people that if I just look around my peer group or you look around your peer group or, you know, your neighborhood and you're thinking, man, nobody around me is doing X. The world is a big place. And I think mm-hmm. the ability to connect with people that are outside of your peer group or outside of your neighborhood, or your state even, uh, is really easy to go. Okay. Who, what is, what is everyone doing? Cause there's always a, there's always a niche out there that's doing what you're trying to go do and can help you with it. So. Right.
Anyway, thank you everybody yeah, thanks. for joining us today. <laughs> um, and then where can they find you, Mary? So I don't forget about that part. Yeah, my handle is at The Wealth Woman. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram, um, or you can also check out my website, wealthwoman.com. And I'm uh, Economics with Eric on Instagram and Facebook as well. And don't forget to like and subscribe. I think I'm supposed to say that every time and I never do. So there you go. Have a great week.